This is the Morning Sports Desk for Monday, April 24th. Edwards. Gordon defends on a switch, crossover, three. He got it! This kid is a live wire. Uh, Anthony Edwards, Corey. Uh, yay or nay? Um, yay. Unless it's about college education, then I guess a nay. Yeah. Because he only has a year of it. Mm-hmm. But if it's basketball, if this is a basketball-related yay or nay, I'm I'm a full yay. I'm a two yays up. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. With How about the, you? Uh, yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah, two yays with like three exclamation points, just to really hammer it home each. Uh, just to uh, just to really show my enthusiasm. Anthony Edwards is great, Corey. There's a stat that we both talked about off air. Yep. There's only two players in NBA history to have five thirty plus point games in the postseason. Yep. One of them is Anthony Edwards. Hey, shout out Ant. The other yay with two exclamation points. The other is LeBron James. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah. Uh, so, needless to say, Anthony Edwards is already putting himself scoring-wise in some great company. The only problem with that is that, uh, as we know, LeBron is totally overrated and not even close to the greatest of all time. Exactly. Yeah, my thoughts exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's do let's do a, a three things this morning. Okay. Okay, and we'll start with the Wolves. And um, I guess very simply, the Wolves beat Denver in game uh, four yesterday. Final score, 114-108 in overtime. Mm -hmm. Talked about it, Anthony Edwards at 34 points. He joins LeBron with that really, really great stat. The Timberwolves trail in the series three games to one. But let's just let's just look at uh, let's just look at at this. Let's give me a positive, give me a negative of this Wolves series. Okay, so the positive is Anthony Edwards. I think that's pretty much uh, the big takeaway. But if we want another positive, uh, Nikel Alexander-Walker, I thought, had some pretty good defensive sure. uh, possessions. He's I agree been a with decent that. rebounder. I think he was somebody who we got in the Mike Conley trade and somebody that we as fans didn't really think much of, just kind of a throw-in player. But he's been a nice little 3 and D player. Kind of got maybe not so much on the threes, but uh, he's been a nice defender. That he's is gotten, his role, anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so he's been a nice defender. He's gotten some rebounds. I think he's been a bright spot for this Timberwolves team and somebody who is a free agent at the end of the season, uh, but has showed a lot of openness and said, I think, publicly after the game yesterday that he'd like to be back in Minnesota next season if that was a possibility. So he's somebody I think. That not necessarily has to come back, but somebody that should be in the running for coming back is a nice little th- spark plug for the Wolves. I agree totally with with all of that. He is uh, he does play good defense. It seems uh, his on ball stuff. Uh, he's he's pretty active anyway, mm-hmm. uh, from what I've been able to tell. Um, he's not a great shooter. Fine, whatever. There's he, that's not his. That's not his role. That's not his job. And yeah, there's. I think I think every good team need needs. You know he's your he's your eighth guy. He's your ninth guy. Like I I know that sounds silly, but you need that guy. You yeah. need that guy to be able to contribute, not all the time, but when his time comes. In this instance, I know that sounds like hacky to say it that way, but it's true. And with all the injuries that the Timberwolves 
have had, mm-hmm. uh, especially with McDaniels. They've needed someone who can come onto the floor and be a bother defensively. He's really a, a He's fulfilled that to the best of his ability, I think. Nikel Alexander-Walker has become like a Jaden McDaniels light. Like, yes. He does a lot of the He's got a lot of the same attributes. He just can't do it at the same level as Jaden McDaniels, and I think that's pretty much where that stands. Uh, with the one takeaway uh, negatively is that, I mean, they ended up going to overtime after having a double-digit lead in the final couple minutes. I yep. mean, it's just another one of those classic, like, they just melt down at very inopportune times. And honestly, Corey, if they don't melt down in their first home game, this series is tied up at two. And we think about it very differently. Yeah, I and the only, I, I guess, I think a fair counter to any of that is um, I don't know if it's necessarily a meltdown when the other team is better than you. That would be the only, that, like... Fair, you're, but just given right. the Timberwolves' history, if, if they don't, if they don't blow those leads, we're talking. That is one hundred percent true. The other part that I think is also true is Denver's just better, so um, they're allowed to go on their. They are, but the Wolves uh, their runs. They are, but the Wolves still are talented enough where they should at least hold that off a little bit. You would hope. You would hope. But there's a reason they seat them. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a reason they're not. These two teams are not even. The Wolves aren't the eighth seed by accident. Can I go back to Anthony Edwards here very quickly yeah, yeah. just to just to add on to that? His scoring has obviously been great. I mm-hmm. think uh, he had uh, he had 34 points last night. I think the previous two games were 40-plus. He's been awesome. He's been just about the only scoring. Um, he is also, after every loose ball, mm-hmm. he's chasing things down in the corners to try to save them from out of bounds. He's diving for loose balls on the floor. He is... Um, flying in for blocks on the weak side. I don't necessarily know if that means he's getting out of position or he's just working his tail off to try to bail out his teammates defensively. It, the scoring's been awesome, but the things he's he's literally doing things everywhere on the floor. He's guarding on ball mm-hmm. hard when he has to. He's playing. Uh, it seems like he's helping out. He's chasing people down, blocking blocking guys from behind. Um, I, I it's getting close to I'd run through a burning building for that guy. Uh, so what you're saying, Corey, is he got that dog in him? Uh, at least a hot building without any air conditioning. He got that dog in him. Let's move on. Thing number two is the Minnesota Wild. Um, they lost to Dallas yesterday, three to two. That series is now tied up at two games apiece and moves to Dallas tomorrow night. I'm loving these staggered times rather than both of them starting at the same time and very, very late. No, no, no. They'd stagger them. The Wolves would start at like nine and the Wild would start at like 9.30. That's it'd exactly be, It'd be right. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so they play, they move on to game five now tomorrow, tied up at two games apiece. Same thing, CJ, a positive and a negative. You You've taken from this so far so the negative for the wild has got to be power play goal or penalty kill probably is the best way to put it sure uh in terms of the wild have given up almost every goal in this series on a penalty kill when they uh, had a man disadvantage now you could say the officiating cost the wild yesterday and i'm not cold on that argument but at the same time uh the wild really need to do a better job uh, on the man disadvantage on the penalty kill. Now, Dallas has one of the best power plays in the league this season, so that's necessarily not a detriment. It's like we alluded to with the Nuggets and the Wolves. 
Dallas is just really good in that department. Uh, so it's imperative that you don't take penalties. And I know Felino, that second one was a little ticky tacky, but still got to do better. And my one positive, which kind of also might be a negative, but depending on how you want to read it, is the Wild had so many opportunities to score yesterday. So many point-blank chances for them to just fire it in there and score. Kaprizov missed a couple. Felino missed a couple. Boldy missed a couple. I mean, there, Hartman missed a couple. Ta- go down the line of guys that missed shots that weren't wide open, but very but things that a playoff team like the Wild should score on. It's not even that Ottinger, the goalie for the Stars, had a great game. I mean, he had a nice game, but it wasn't like he was standing on his head unreal, nothing could get past him. The Wild just missed, and it's the same thing in the NBA or just any college, whatever, any basketball in general of, we got all of the shots we wanted, and we just couldn't make them. It's not that the defense was necessarily stopping us or preventing us, but it's that we just couldn't convert. And so the good news is to say the Wild should regress to the mean and convert, but the bad news is is that they lost home ice advantage and had a bunch of opportunities to go into Dallas up 3-1. They did lose home ice advantage, um, uh, but they are the lower seed, right? They lost. this started in Dallas, so they had to steal the home ice advantage in the first place from Dallas. Mm -hmm. They gained it back, but they're like, like it's it's it's, it's net neutral now, which I, again, it's, I don't, I don't know if that's a positive or a negative, but that's just a thing. There was a a point during that game yesterday. It just seemed like a rock fight. Mm -hmm. And this whole series has at times felt that way. These are two very evenly matched teams. It's just fun. This uh, It's going to seven games. I have enjoyed watching this, um, uh, kind of from the very beginning. I, I, I don't really have like a positive or or negative to to call anything a negative from the wild series just feels like um it feels like it's overstating it a little bit. I just think these are two evenly matched teams who are are sharing blows with each other. But you know, one guy hits Pretty you much. with the right jab, the other one, all right, here's my right jab. Let's give it a shot. That's kind of how it feels when I when I watch it. I, it's been really enjoyable. I wore my wild today. Mm-hmm. Just as a as a a reminder to them, like a kick in the pants. You know what I mean. Yeah. That's all. This was this was this was gonna be. A, I had plans to. It was gonna be a celebratory or like a hey, we're not done yet. You don't get to just coast because you're up two to one on your home ice. You know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, you got There's a you got a job to do here. Come on, Wild. Also, by the way, you just got a socket to the North Stars because you're wearing the reverse retro. Uh, jersey as well. How great do these look? They look great, and the Wild cannot wear them in the postseason. It's too bad, man. It's too bad. Hey, for the Twins, uh, they had Jorge Polanco return to the lineup this weekend, and yesterday he did this. Singled his last time up. Hits this ball well down the left field line. If it's fair, it's out of here, and that ball is gone. Polanco home run is tied it up 1-1. Jorge Polanco came back to the lineup on Friday, Corey. He's got about four or five hits in three games, including a home run and about three RBIs. Uh, safe to say the Twins have missed their starting second baseman. Yeah, we and that moves us right into our third thing of our three things. The Twins beat Washington 3-1. to one. It's nice to have Polanco back in the lineup. If he's clicking on all cylinders, it feels like in a perfect world – uh, that offensive uh that offensive part of the game 
feels very deep, one through nine, all of a sudden for the Minnesota Twins. What's your positive and negative for the Twins after their Washington series? So the easy thing to say for a negative would be the losing two out of three to Washington, which is a black eye considering that Washington will be lucky to not lose 100 games this season. Yeah, they seem uh, universally um, known as bad. They're gunning for the pennant if the pennant was the number one overall draft pick. If this were golf, Washington's in the mix. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, But the thing I'm going to say is a negative is still the Twins lineup. And uh, we talk about that. They need the pieces back. Polanco coming back helps. But also, the Twins... And, and I'm going to say this as a lineup, one through nine. On Saturday, they faced a pitcher who threw a ton of sliders and threw a ton of sliders over the plate. And the Twins were just confused. Roy Smalley uh, on the TV broadcast is like, they look like they're getting buckled on breaking pitches. And this guy's been throwing nothing but breaking pitches for three innings now. Why is this surprising them in the nicest way possible on the television broadcast? But mm-hmm. as I was watching, I'm just like, why... Was there no offensive game plan? Was there no, like, whatever. That's reading too much into it. The Twins are still striking out a lot more than they should. Mm-hmm. Jose Miranda's been atrocious to start the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time... Correa. Uh, yeah, Correa. I mean, take your pick. There's, like, almost everybody outside of who? Michael A. Taylor. And he's, like, leading the team in strikeouts. So they're... And- Buxton of late. Buxton fired up a little bit. He had a nice Washington series. series. He had a nice series. He's back on track. So that's the negative for the Twins lineup. The is the strikeouts and the fact that they just can't score. And I don't know what that what that issue is. And the positive is the Twins had to call up Bailey Ober to make a spot start for Kenta Maeda. Yep. He pitched well, five and two-thirds innings, only gave up one run, put the Twins in position to win the game. Louis Varland, who made a spot start last week, put the Twins in a position to win the game, and they won both of those games. And it just goes to show that the Twins not only are deep one through five in the starting rotation, they're seven deep, which is something they've never had before. I mean, we hope that's the case because they've each had one start, so we don't, you know, there's... But you're right. The starting pitching has been better. You're not calling up Devin Smeltzer and like, oh my gosh, just don't get shelled. Him and his weird goggles. Yeah. Like he pitched for the Angels in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Who's he think he is? Kyle Farnsworth? Weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I agree with all of it. That's a tough series. they got to find a way to score some runs. Fortunately, you're only a month into this season. And they're, the only, they're still the only team in the American League Central with a winning record. That's true. They're eleven and ten. They're I love the only this team in the American League Central with a with a winning record. I love this division. CJ, let's. I want to do give you a bonus fourth thing. Okay. Um, the Vikings and the NFL have their draft this week. That gets going on Thursday. We don't need to go into the weeds on the NFL draft, but as Vikings fans and the team starts to prepare. What are you know? What does Thursday look like for the Vikings? What are some scenarios that are potentially in play? So for the Vikings in this draft, the first round is coming up on Thursday, and the Vikings picking. I think they pick twenty third this year. So I mean, whatever. There's a different few routes they could go. I know quarterback. There's a lot of people thinking the Vikings might draft a quarterback. They might draft Kirk Cousins' replacement. That's on the table. Uh, But I think realistically what ends up happening is the Vikings take a cornerback or they take a wide receiver at 23 or they trade back. I think those are the three easiest options, but we can get in the weeds throughout the week as uh, draft day gets closer. This is the morning sports desk for Monday, April 24th.